opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Greetings, everyone. You're listening to Main Menu for the 3rd of February, 2017. This is your co-host, Jason Castingway. Today, we have a very smart guest with us. His name is Nicholas Giudice, professor at the University of Maine with a background in experimental psychology and cognitive neuroscience. He gives us some background, and then we talk all about a new product called Ira, Visual Interpreter for the Blind. Here is Janine to introduce him. everyone. This is Janine Stanley for Main Menu, and today we're going to look at a product and interview a person that are both very intriguing to me, um, and I think you'll see why very soon. I am joined today by the big R, Randy. Hey. Hey. And Jason, also joining us today. Hi, everybody. And our special guest today is Dr. Nicholas Judici, and I am going to let Nick tell you a little bit about himself and his background, because if I had to read his uh, his uh, CV, I think we'd be here all night, possibly. <laughs> but um, I happened to meet Nick at the Top Dog Conference, of all places. But Nick, tell us a little bit about your background and what you do. Sure. And just to, uh, and hello, everyone. Um, and just to clarify, because no one gets it right, and I don't say it the same as my even the rest of my family, uh, I say Judici as my last name. It's very confusing uh-huh. because I'll introduce myself, and I'll say, hey, it's Nicholas Judici, and my sister will say <laughs> different way. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so thanks for having me. I'm a uh, professor at the University of Maine, and my background is experimental psychology and cognitive neuroscience, so I'm interested in looking at how the brain works and how we behave. Um, I'm now in a computer science department, essentially trying to teach computer scientists how to think more like humans. Oh my. Uh, yes. And that keeps me in business. So that's good. <laughs> uh, and just very, very briefly, my, my interest um, is kind of connected in two ways. So I'm interested in looking at how we learn about represent uh, in the brain information from different senses. So vision, touch, hearing, words. And kind of the, the, the interest here is that, that I argue that much of what most people call as visual information isn't really visual, but it's spatial. And what I mean by spatial is that it's not like out of space, but um, spatial in the sense of space around you. So you have lines, you have edges, you have, you have uh, regions, you have the relation between, you know, your lamp on your table and the telephone or what have you. And all these things are, are, are spatial relations that can be specified by touching them, by describing them. And so the brain doesn't really care how it gets the information, but it cares that it's getting a certain type of information. So if you feel or you see the edge of your desk, it's still the same edge. And, the, and that's a certain stimulus property, and the brain does processing of those stimulus properties. So this kind of was interesting to me. I'm congenitally blind, and so I was kind of always interested. Well, how do I perceive the world, 
in relation to my friends that are seeing it. And so this kind of got me into this, <laughs> this line of work. And the, so that's kind of the basic, uh, basic research that kind of is arguing for this idea of a spatial representation in the brain that isn't tied to any one sense. Um, so we build up this, we may learn from different senses, but we build up this common representation that is tr intrinsically spatial. And so that then brings me to kind of my applied work, which is saying, well, okay, if that's true, and you can learn a map by seeing it or feeling it equally well, and then can we make different types of interface displays, the interfaces or, 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 or displays that pro you know provide information that's normally done visually, but now through other senses? I, I've done a lot of work with different, what I call multimodal interface design. So multimodal just meaning it's from visual or, or you know, in, enhanced visual, auditory, touch, language, and mostly in the context of either learning or assisting navigation or I'm working on something now that I'm calling, although it's a little bit <laughs> maybe premature, but a, a graphic screen reader. So how we can use oh. vibration on your cell phone or your tablet by feeling the vibration. You can then feel what what's under your finger. So it vibrates when you touch something, and then you can trace a line or a map or a graph. Um, and that's a maybe a different topic for a different oh, night but uh, absolutely um, it's kind of sounds like the old opticon on steroids actually <laughs> yeah except that it's that there's no camera and you're just using i mean one of the things that i feel really strongly about is that you know we've all you know dealt with having to figure out how to get expensive single purpose assistive technology and there's so much out there in commercial products that can be used to do this and the thing i love about um, what we're working on now is that it's based on, you know, uh, the, the smartphone. And most people are already using iOS devices. Most blind people that, that, that I know and have worked with. And so, they, you know, you have this thing that has a lot of universal design built into it. It has all these different technologies. And if we can get it now to also allow you to, to, to access graphical information without having to buy something that's really expensive, I think that's great. I mean, I see blindness as really an information access you know, problems with blindness are problems with information access. It has nothing really to do with vision loss. And so I think it's really interesting to figure out how we can develop information access technologies that make a difference. And that's one of the reasons why I've been so excited about, about IRA. Um, and I'm not usually a kind of get on the bandwagon and yay, yay, rah, rah, let's support <laughs> a company. Uh, but I, I really feel that there's some huge opportunities, some huge ways of bridging this in, you know, what I think of as information gap for, for blind and visually impaired people that this, that this product and this service really can make a difference with. Interesting. Now we heard about IRA, which folks is spelled A-I-R-A. -A. We heard about this product. Uh, it's been about a year ago now. I'm trying to remember if it came out at CSUN or if it came out at ATIA. Um, one of those major conferences, the team announced this particular product and were, um, were explaining it to people. Can you tell us a little bit about, first of all, the, the product itself, the entire IRA system? Sure. Um, so it's, they call it a visual interpreter. I think that's the kind of their flag line, uh, tagline. But it's, it's essentially a way that you, you, you use. It can be done with a phone. They really feel it's important and, 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 and like the idea of using smart glasses like Google Glass, and I'll come back to that 
they're also, I know, working on development of um, new technologies because a Google Glass has, you know, monitors, you know, a heads-up display and, and the like that most blind people don't need. But what you're doing is you're using the camera, and that camera is essentially at being then fed. The camera feed is being fed to a, a human agent who has a, a dashboard that has information about you. So they ask questions like, do you like information in clock face directions or left, right, or, you know, units, what units of measure do you want? So they get a bunch of information about you. And so the purpose here is for them to help with providing information access. And one of the ways that I see it is really different, or a couple ways it's really different from other products. So a lot of, uh, you've probably done shows on, on, on some of these different, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there for a long time. Some of it's using different mm -hmm. types of artificial intelligence and, and, and computer vision. Sometimes it's using uh, like Amazon Mechanical Turk, which are just, you know, ra random people. Um, there's, there's other, uh, the most similar company is using volunteers that are, that, that you call in with the phone and, and they see through the phone and try to describe what you're seeing. But the big difference here is that, you know, as we know, language is a really, <laughs> language is a thing that makes us uniquely human. It's also what makes us really, you know, incredibly sloppy in a lot of ways in our communication. You know, how many times have you asked someone for directions and they say, oh, yeah, go over there. Oh, you know, yes. Over there, <laughs> over there tells you nothing. You could just say apple pie, you know, and if you mm -hmm. point, it's fine. But if you can't see where someone's pointing, and, and it turns out that, you know, prepositions are, 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 are little devils. And, you know, it's hard to know what the, if you say, near, you know, it's near the house. Well, what does that mean? You know, near mm -hmm. really depends on the scale. So if it's near when you're right there, that could be a few feet. You know, if you're down the block. So there's lots of things. What, you know, what does it mean to put something in front of something else? So how you describe something is really a big deal. And this is something that, you know, O&M professionals and, and TVIs and, and, you know, different blindness professionals have known for a long time, but it makes a big difference how you describe something. So the, the, the whole IRA concept is saying, well, we're not just going to have human, a human in the loop, which is a big difference than, a, than an AI model, which is just using artificial intelligence, but we're going to have a trained human in, in the loop. And I think that's really what got me excited because um, there are other products that have tried this idea of having a human, but having someone that actually knows knows not only your preferences but is, has had training on how to describe things on how to on how to convey information in a really crisp quick and articulate way that's what you want you know when you call up and and, and get information you want to get it as quickly as possible you know the other thing that 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 what happens when you call up this dashboard provides information about you but it also provides information about you know, if I'm calling from Janine, um, uh, we met down in the Orlando or in Orlando, right. and I was in the airport. I had no idea where the heck I was, so I called there, and so they pull, they they immediately see where I am on a Google map. They start pulling up lots of information about where you are, and then I can ask, okay, how do I get to X? And they can look up directions. If you go into a restaurant, they can pull up a menu, so you help you read that. So there's a wow. lot of other information that's getting pulled in and that's where they're really trying to grow what other ways and databases there's so much information out there how, how much of this stuff could be used so i get on the bus and they pull up the the national you know the, the, a lot of these transportation uh, companies are now all being aggregated through 
Google and other sources. So they yes. can say, okay, there's a bus stop that's coming up, you know, on the next street, or you're on the bus, here's the bus stop, the next bus is scheduled, you know, in three minutes or what have you. So just having that type of information. Another difference, as I said, are the glasses. So Google Glass, we all heard about, and then most people heard about that it died. And so they say, well, why yes. are they using that? Well, first, it's it, they're not using the Google Glass that died. And I don't know all the technical aspects of it, but there's an enterprise component of Google Glass, which is still uh -huh. out there. This concept is not going away. It was kind of ahead mm -hmm. of its time. Um, but it's over-engineered for the purpose. So as I said, you know, most blind folks don't need to have a, a display. But the beauty of having this idea of a Google Glass is that when, when the agent, when you tap into the agent, they now are looking exactly where your head is. And a big challenge, and I've done some work uh, on this as well, a big challenge for people, especially people that are congenitally blind or have very little vision, is you know how do you, aiming a camera when you don't have visual feedback is a pain. Often you don't have yes. it framed correctly. You get you know hand jitter and you don't see that it's moving, and so when you have the glass and, and I didn't believe this until I met Asuman, the uh, the CEO and president. He came into the lab and we he was in the area and I thought I'd scheduled an hour and we spent seven hours like I, I totally uh, believe that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean this whole like there are whole argument of that this really assist framing of the image is, is is absolutely true because it you know you know where you're looking at it also makes it much easier to give directions because you don't have to figure out in hand coordinates we'll move a little bit to the left and then what does that mean if your reference is different than the agents because now when they're looking at it they are looking essentially from your eyes through the camera uh -huh. so they can give you very very di clear directions um, that makes a big difference Great. And can they tell you, say, to adjust your head uh, position to make something a little more clear or pan or something like that? Yeah. So that's one of the things that is part of the, the agent training. And, that, and this is something that, that, that I've given input on and, and a bunch of others. I'm on the, the scientific advisory board. So I will admit that I'm, <laughs> I'm biased here. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's a, an unpaid position. It's just something that I really feel, you know, by I give my name to because I think that the product is really a, a huge um, leap forward. Um, so yeah, so, so so that's a big a big part of it because again, what does it mean to say move move closer? Okay, how much? You know, or or, or the the because the agent is from the same frame of reference, it makes a big difference. So imagine when you walk up to a a counter and you say, and I don't know how much you guys may do this, but you know, if I ask someone that I'm facing, so they're, they're across from me facing me, what way do I go? And they say go left. About 90% of the, I almost always go right. And about 90% yes. of the time I'm correct. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. But from their, from their egocentric perspective. And that's just, so mm -hmm. that's a big problem for getting directions. But because the agent is looking at exactly how you're looking at it, you, you kind of eliminate that problem immediately. So you do have to figure out things like, turn okay that's not very useful how much so they they really have worked on figuring out ways to say you know like i prefer them to give me a clear metric turn three inches some people that doesn't work for and i don't know what else they do but there's different um but that's an important aspect of this and i think that you know another another difference here and the one that i think is the the biggest bugaboo for people to accept in some ways is that this is going to be a paid service it is a paid service and that's different than uh, many of the other services that are out there. But it, it, but I think what's important 
here, from my perspective at least, is that people so often don't value their time. You know, like if I if I connect with a service, for example, that may have a random person and it takes me a long time to figure out how to connect with them and for us to use the same language, and that takes 10 minutes to figure out that my oven's on 400 mm-hmm. versus doing it in, you know, uh, you know, uh, a minute, and it costs me fifty cents. You know, I don't know the pricing schedule, but mm-hmm. um, you know that's that's absolutely worth it to me. This is information. Information is 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 hugely important. It's what makes people independent and 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 more efficient. And I think that's something that as I think the blind community is um, kind of you know in, in some ways is 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 loathe to want to spend money for for that as many people when there's other free services but i think that the difference on the quality of information that you get is absolutely worth it i would completely agree with you and someone has to pay for you know the the training of the agents the the level of detail that kind of thing and the development of etc cetera, etc cetera. i did look over the pricing just a bit and looked over the explorer program which i'm not sure if you can speak to or not but it's an interesting aspect of of the product and everything and i think even if someone is say using a smartphone to be able to do this i think that you know there definitely has to be a financial component and for some of us who travel a lot oh my gosh i'm thinking how wonderful that would be in an airport just to find out what kinds of restaurants are around and and can i get from there to my gate can i you know pick up a coffee on my own before waiting for airport help that often is not terribly proficient in english so um yeah yeah exactly that would be <laughs> huge exactly. oh my goodness yeah you know, I can't, and as I said, I, I can't speak to the, I'm on the scientific side. You know, I think mm-hmm. that, that I know they are cognizant of, A, that, you know, there, there isn't a huge amount of money. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, there aren't enough blind millionaires. Um, <laughs> not and yet. That they, you know, that this, that, yeah, not yet. We're getting there. Um, and these costs need to come down. And I think they have a lot of ways that they're really looking at. You know, in some ways, you could imagine this being a service that the airport would provide. It could be way cheaper for them, and I don't know if they're, you know, it's, I know that these there's things that they're working on here. So this is a very early, but I agree with you. I think that that this, you know, to know that there's going to be, you know, the the idea of some cost as a trade-off of having something that you can do really independently and efficiently, I think is is huge. Oh goodness, having your your own, you know, private sighted person there. <laughs> So when this information is conveyed to people through either the Google Glass or whatever, would they be using, say, a a set of glasses with maybe bone conduction headphones or something like that? How would that all work? I use my phone as much as the glass right now. So and I often do it with a set of either one earpiece in or just with the speaker. But when I do use the glass, which is what they really prefer, because it is easier and faster for the agent, I had bone conduction headphones that I that I was using with those. And I think that's something that they want to build into future, whatever the eyeglass, whatever the smart glasses that they're using are, because obviously you don't want to block ambient sound. I have a coworker who is going to get 
an iris system, probably sometime in February, and we're very excited about that. I work for the Guide Dog Foundation, and and our other blind staff member is uh, looking at uh, possibly getting one of these, and we're pretty excited to see how it works for her. What kind of a system are people going to get if they decide to purchase this? Short answer: I don't, I, I don't know because I'm not on that side of the, <laughs> the, the, the what's going on. I, I know that the, gotcha. I, I believe that the explorers and the people that are in this inertia, initial kind of early service are getting whatever version of the Google Glass or what's being updated now. Some a form, you know, some form of the smart glasses, which is provided. I pro, I'm not sure if headphones are but and then of course the creation of your dashboard and all the other things that go in relation with that but i, I don't really know how the packages are set up oh great and then i would assume that there's some sort of app that that would all interface with on the smartphone yeah yeah, yeah. So, so the phone yeah so there's an app on the phone the ira app and that's how right now even if you're using the glass you still connect through that that app i know their plan ultimately is to have everything being done through a glass, so you wouldn't even necessarily need to have the phone out. Oh well, and, and using it, but I think that's I think that's a little bit down the road, and they're working with yeah. hardware manufacturers and stuff. One one aspect that I that I think is really important is to be able to give. So after you after each call, you can give feedback, and that's what they need for for the agents because you know even though they go through training, this is still a huge learning curve and this is what really sets the service apart so after you know every time i'll leave you know, it's like a rating like a uber you know rating but then you can mm-hmm. also leave a comment so i'll leave a comment that says janine gave really good in, in, d- description but um you know if there's something that maybe could be improved and this is something that goes not to the agent so they don't see it but to mm-hmm. you know the agent uh me whoever's kind of monitoring that and they use this, they data mine all this information to help in their training. I think that's really oh, wow. important because they're not going to get better unless we provide input. I like your comparison there. And I think in terms of the pricing, I would compare it to an Uber type service as well. You know, here you are getting services for, you know, it's basically rent a sighted person almost. I mean, that, that's sort of what it it felt like to me as people are describing it. Can I get a pair of eyes to describe this to me? Exactly. In and, a way yeah, that I'm going to understand. And their goal is even more following the Uber model. Once they get more agents and whatever, you will be rooted to someone that's as close to you as possible, which both cuts down on any system lag. I mean, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes technical stuff that they've done to really you know, cut down on lag, but it really depends on the cell service or Wi-Fi that you're on sure. or what have you. But the closer the person is, but then also the closer they are, the more they know about your geographic region. <laughs> so, you know, someone here in Maine knows things about Maine than, that a Californian wouldn't know. Sure. Um, and so I think sure. that model is a good one, you know, once they get, get a more robust platform of agents. Is the price based on uh, the duration of the call or anything like that, or is it just... Uh, per per call, I believe the models now are the pricing plans now are based on a certain number of minutes per month. Oh, okay, but again, I'm not I'm not totally sure on the, on on all the financial side of it. And I did see Jason that the pricing model is a monthly fee for a certain number of uh, calls or minutes, etc. Okay, so 
Now, Thanks. one of the things that I know that they have, you know, in, in the pipeline that they're very interested in is helping to defray agent costs by using the same kind of dialogue and, and, and terminology and, you know, all, all the things that are being learned now by how to give information to people, but automating some of it. So there's certain things that, you know, and I, I, you know, I use it for lots of things. As I said, like sometimes my, my oven, for example, is a big pain. It's a, one of these touchpad things. And, oh, yes. if I, and, mm-hmm. and I can get it to 400, but like I have to count the times I hit the button and if I've zoned mm-hmm. out. It's silly, but like that, I don't necessarily need, I use it a lot for that, like just something simple like that. But that's something where you could imagine an automated process but using the same kind of dialoguing system and the same terminology and whatever, you could call up and it could very quickly, using computer vision, for example, perhaps read that. So I think they're very interested in situations where an agent, you know, might not be needed to do the task that, that you need to do that could be automated. Or situations, you know, I've talked to them a lot, a lot about, everyone will laugh because I always go back to the bathroom. <laughs> but, oh yeah. You know these are cha- these are challenges that like you have privacy and you know, there's legal aspects about mm-hmm. having someone with a camera and an active person. But you come in, you want to know well where's the empty urinal? Well, you may not want to know yes. what you mean, but because uh, <laughs> you know, my my dog really likes to go up to urinals where people are standing. Oh. That's fun for him. <laughs> uh, or you know, is this toilet stall clean? Because uh, that's not always the case. Oh, and that's a uh, lovely surprise, too, as a blind person. Yeah, yes. and so people say, oh, why are we talking about that? But these are real-world problems. I mean, that's Absolutely. the thing that I think that they, you know, really understand. How do we how do we address real-world problems that, you know, I can't put in you know, an NSF grant to say, like, how can you how can we tell if there's crap on the toilet seat? Yes, uh, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, this, these are things that are really, you know, that are important. So um, I, there's lots of things like that that kind of, myself and others and you know you guys and people people listening here hopefully could kind of brainstorm where could an automated component Mm -hmm. be built into this that could be really helpful for different types of tasks and i think we are all still looking for that really good solid color identifier and pattern identifier too (laughs) when we're looking at the wardrobe because oh my goodness you know um i certainly haven't found an app on the smartphone yet that is a good color identifier necessarily. I'm still back with the, the single device, you know, um, I happen to use a colorino, but there are you know, a couple of them out there in terms of patterns and things like that. You know, um, is it herringbone? Is it check? Is it, you know, polka dot, whatever? Because uh, we know Randy loves polka dots. Oh, so, yeah. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I can see Randy using one of these devices. He is a, a cook and has a, a many, many of these devices in the kitchen. And as you were talking about your oven, Nick, I can just see, you know, wow, Randy, can you imagine? I mean, I'm also thinking about some of the touchscreen devices or the uh, things like smart TVs that we don't have access to yet, that this something like this could definitely help. So, so yes, yeah, so I did that actually. And I, I got, when I moved, Ooh. I recently moved and I called and I was so frustrated. I couldn't get my, I never had cable. But it was, turned out it was cheaper to get cable with my internet than just internet. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, fine. <laughs> and, you know, and, and so I'm like, oh, I'll hook up my TV. I had everyone for DVDs and whatever. And I, I couldn't get anything to work on it. And I called up and we had and walked with the agent through a pretty complicated sequence of, 
of menus and you know they had to both see what what i was pushing and look at the screen it was just something i, I would not have actually thought would work well at all it would and by the end of it had the tv going so that is that type of thing is really nice because you don't have to wait for a friend to come over or mm-hmm. you know, assistant or what have you you can just do it right there the one of the things nick that you were talking about with ovens for instance my oven as janine was talking about is not only multi menu system driven but it's multi-layered so like yeah, you're screwed uh, well no i'm not actually no I, I believe this or not i have done a great job with a free service and with other tools at my disposal in charting the whole oven so oh, I've, I've actually made it accessible but my my theory is that <clears throat> I know this is going to sound kind of funny, but it's not meant to be. My oven's called a Breville, and I'm wondering with this multi-menu um, system, if you could have like combinations within your system to make it more automated. If you could have, <laughs> let's say, like oh, uh, like you would some sort of. Uh, uh, like a TV, a smart TV, you could have like a Samsung menu or a Breville menu and have menus within menus. And so you could just like call up Breville or call up Samsung and have a model and have it all just laid out for you. I can see some great possibilities with this. I think that's, that's actually a good idea. Even if you had, because all these, you know, all the manuals and things are online now. So even if it was something that was very confusing and you called and got an agent and they really quickly then while you're there were able to you know download you know or in this case they know you have the breville it would be on your dashboard so they could when you call it would immediately pop up and they could easily go through and look up, look that up now about how many people have these systems out in the real world walking around with them using them right now do you know i think around a couple hundred Oh wow, that's that's many more than I thought, actually. And are they mostly in the United States, or is this a worldwide kind of phenomenon? No, I think they're I think they're exclusively in the United States. I can't say that for sure, but I'm I'm pretty sure that they're mostly uh, in the continental United States. I oh, used wow. the service once. I was in Austria last summer, and I had international calling because I had to make some calls back here, and I and I tried using it once and it it worked a little bit but it was pretty early on and we had a bunch of lag but oh, yeah I they were excited like oh we've never used it in austria what in terms of a, a scientific findings are you seeing from the people that have been using this i i'm not sure how long i mean we're talking about the product being around for around a year in terms of us knowing about it in the general community have you seen any differences have people been reporting any differences in lifestyle in independence anything like that since they've been using the product? So it's a great question. I don't have a really good answer at this point. So there's two two things I think are relevant. So currently the advisory board, the scientific advisory board, they've been talking with a lot individually. So like I talk with, with, with various members quite a bit, giving feedback. We haven't done it as a group, although we're, there's a uh, subset of us that are meeting at CSUN because we're going to be there out of San Diego. Um, so mm-hmm. that, that'll that be good. The other thing they're interested in that we've just started 
talking about is, uh, in fact, just submitted a grant f- for doing more research on looking not only at optimizing the system, but but getting some of this information that, that you're asking. So how does this make a difference? And can you quantify some of the things that, that are making a difference? So how much faster mm-hmm. is it to use this system versus no system versus potentially an alternative system? And those data are not, are, are, I don't have, I don't know what else they have in, in, you know, internally, but... Um, that's something that in, in my lab I'd be really interested in just to see, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working with some other products experimentally and it's just to see what happens when, when you add a human in the loop makes a huge difference. That's, yes. <laughs> that's my take home on this. Just, and that's uh, what I'm wondering yeah. about. I, I know that we have a guide dog applicant right now who has one of the systems and said, well, can I bring it to class with me? And, and we said, well, absolutely, yes. You know, let's see how this works and let's see what it can help you with during class and where we want to say, okay, we need you to learn the basic physical skills first before you get a lot of other input into your surroundings. And because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, there will be times when batteries die and things happen. And so um, she's very receptive to that. So it'll be really interesting to see how this, uh, how this works out. Yeah, and I think that's an important point. I mean, it's like having a, a, a guy, if you have a guide dog, you need to still know how to use a cane, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the dog gets sick. And I think that yep. what you don't want, and there's lots of research out there that shows that, you know, GPS systems, just in general, commercial GPS systems, have made people kind of rely on them as a crutch to the detriment mm-hmm. of other types of spatial skills. They start not oh thinking goodness, about yes. their environment. <laughs> they start, and this, you know, and... So on the one hand, you don't want to be a naysayer saying, well, you know, we don't want any technology. But on the other hand, you don't want it to take <laughs> place of, you know, of, of learning skills. So I think that's what I, what I would love to see is if this really takes off and, and, and becomes more integrated into different types of curriculum, you know, to have it be part of O&M training, for example, not to take mm-hmm. the place of O&M training, but be, to do things that then the the client could practice when the instructor's not there and to have it be a compliment same with 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 guide dog training so i think i think that's really it would be really cool to see how this could be integrated into different curriculum but but still really reinforcing you know all the other skills that people need because you don't want to just become reliant on some you know some some agent because now you've forgotten how to you know cross a street Certainly. Now, when you use your system, Nick, how do you interface with it? Let's say, you know, you're in the airport and you want to find out uh, how to get down to baggage claim or, or what kinds of restaurants are around you. How would you initiate? What is the, the process for doing that? So I do it. There's, there's kind of three scenarios. In the airport one, I would I prefer to use the glass because my hand's being used with my dog and I'm often <laughs> pulling a suitcase. Yep. <laughs> and it makes it much easier to not be trying to hold the phone. And um, So you you initiate a call to the – you go to the app on your phone, <laughs> and you choose either use phone or use glass. If your glass is connected, it will connect you – know, it, it'll, it'll um, interface and network immediately with it. And then you just hit call agent, and it will call an agent, and you get the name of the agent that pops up when it connects uh-huh. and then they, and then they say, and this makes a big difference. You know, part of having the dashboards, they know 
things about you and they know your name. So they'll say, mm-hmm. hi, Janine, how can I help you today? I see you're in the airport or something like that. Yeah, so then you just would, you know, ask. I, th- I think one of the big things is, and especially if this is a, is a pay service, is to how to be efficient both on the mm-hmm. user's end and the agent's end. Because sometimes there's kind of an urge to say, oh, Patrick, how you doing, man? I haven't talked to you in a couple days. And you, you yes. start chatting and it's... <laughs> Exactly. And I'm thinking, okay, just give me the step by step as I'm walking down this long corridor. Where do I turn to get to XYZ? You know, and that that whole interactive process, I think, is still, you know, it's going to be different for each person. I think what's important Mm -hmm. is to give feedback as the user. You know, I don't need you to tell me about um, every door that I'm passing. I'm just looking for one that's you know, the men's room, or I'm just yes. looking for a bagel shop. Uh, but sometimes you might want to know more. Like, I, mean, I, I remember when someone came to visit, and we're walking around campus, and I just have it on, and I'm talking to the agent, and she said, oh, I see that uh, a guy is walking toward you with a guitar over his his, uh, oh. his shoulder. And I said, oh, nice guitar, man. And he was like, looking at him, how would you know that? You know, or... Tell him you had glasses on. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, or saying, I want to know, you know, what color shirts are people wearing? So sometimes you just want to know something aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And that's. Mm -hmm. Or you're at one of these, uh, the bane of my existence, if you do any kind of businessy things, are those business mixers where everybody's got their conference name tag on, hopefully. And you're looking for a certain person or you want to know who is around you as discreetly as you can, you know, by being able to see some of their name tags if if the agent can see them. Yeah, so that's another thing that actually is the project that we've submitted a grant for and who knows if it will get funded, but how we could kind of augment the agent's knowledge with some computer vision essentially to say for face recognition essentially so imagine that before i went and this is not happening yet so this is in in the future it may or may not happen with this grant but but the idea would be maybe i know that i'm going to see you uh you know at a conference and so i get i have a picture of you that i got from the web or 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 whatever you know you could start kind of populating the system with the people that you may run into, and then it can start trying to use those and the agent so the, you know, to, to figure out who's around you. So the agent may see wow. a face that comes up that says, I think that this looks like Janine with 70% probability, and then they can look through the glass and say, yeah, yeah, that's her. So then they can tell you kind of covertly, okay, that's Janine, but it, but it means that the agent doesn't have to always be looking through all these different kind of, you know, library of images that you have so I mean, things like that i think are really um could be really powerful because that for me is very frustrating i have terrible voice recognition mm-hmm. which is not a great thing for a blind guy i, mean, I, I don't know anyone. <laughs> i was working with uh, a device a couple of months ago and it had face recognition and it was probably about maybe six or seven feet away that i was able to recognize someone's face through this device and i was really intrigued by it i'd love to see something like that because it almost empowers you with the artificial intelligence of actually really seeing someone because it pointed at someone and said, "Oh, uh, there's John Smith over there." So how and did you get how did you how did you get the person into the system? How did it know John Smith? You had to train the device first. You took its picture. Okay. 
with the device, and then after then you trained it uh, with your voice or his voice, her or her voice, stating his or her name in the device. So it's a couple of steps process, but it worked, man, and it was really cool to see. That's neat. That's the type of thing that you know. It just is. It'd be nice to have something like that, so you don't have to come up and be like, "Who are you again?" (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and, and have the networking opportunity be all about your dog, which usually it yeah, is for yeah, any yeah. of us with guide dogs. And I just find that to be one of the hardest things. Oh, well, my dog told me who you were. <laughs> oh, there you go. Exactly. Yeah, right. dog read your name tag. And yeah, very smart. <laughs> and I, I think, too, that that would be a huge boon for employment of blind people as well. Um, do you know if any of your fellow users are using this in a job setting in any way? I don't know, but I could I could absolutely imagine that that you know the, there's lots of employment things that would be useful. I mean, even <laughs> even just silly stuff that I do at work. I mean, I, I'll, I'll go to my you know, well, a couple times I've gotten a graph or something with you know data plots. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea what is being shown, and, and sometimes the agent doesn't have any idea either because it <laughs> it's rather opaque. But um, you know, just being able to access something visually like that makes a big you know, it can be a big difference, even if it's just quickly. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I would imagine that, uh, you know, going through large numbers of print, I'm also thinking shopping. Uh, my husband is partially sighted, and he, you know, likes to do the shopping on his own. But going to a place like a Home Depot or someplace like that, he'll spend hours just looking for one thing because men don't ask for directions, present company excluded, of course. But, <laughs> but so I, I could just see him going to town with one of these things, you know, with the agent. Okay, you know, I'm looking for this and let's see what aisle would I need to go to for it. And all right, I found a box that looks like it. Is this what I'm looking for? And reading those pesky round containers of things that are very difficult to read with some of those scanning apps that are on the phone. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Oh, my goodness. And where I see that as being more powerful is once they can start tapping into, like, a lot of big places have almost virtual tours that you can get into. So they can say you're here in the store, you know, so you're in Home Depot. Mm -hmm. You call the agent. The agent sees where you are. That gets pulled up on the Google map, and then that initiates uh, uh, whatever the app is for the Home Depot. So then you can get really clear guidance to where you're going. So, I mean, that's, those are the types of things that I'm excited about if this is really to advance. Uh, Oh my gosh. To tap as much of that as possible within a a single interface. I mean, I think that's one of the other things too, that I, that I like about the idea of a, of an integrated dashboard is that I I just get so sick of using so many different apps for so many different things. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you have, you know, like, but, the more that this can be integrated, I think the easier, even if it just cuts out a step, you know, that's, that's one less thing to have to deal with. Absolutely. Or space on your phone, too. Um, yeah, there only, yeah, there's right. only so much space you can, uh, you know, you can use on your phone. And I'm constantly just, uh, oh, that's a great app. Let me grab that. And then I realize I have 25 apps that uh, that I never use and, and three that I use, for, you know, religiously. So in the beginning, when you were talking about different ways that we process information as a whole. When the agents integrate this information, say, into your your dashboard and they get your favorite ways of processing things, I would assume there's some data that's going along with how often you use those, how often uh, people use different types of 
things like compass directions or degrees for turning versus um, absolutes and things like that. Is that information being compiled and studied at all? Do you mean the, the, the information on that, that it's being used in the training of the agents or the data mining from what clients are, are doing and, and how that's I being would say, incorporated? Well, probably both, but more the data mining, just to see, you know, what is more prevalent and what, how are people um, most comfortable? Because I could see someone, you know, starting out saying, well, I want compass directions. Oh, wait, no, I want degrees. Degrees seems to work better for me. Yeah, I, I know that there's some some of that going on. I don't know to the ex, the full extent that it is. I think it it, it needs to be going on though. So mm-hmm. I this is one thing that I that I certainly you know will push the company on because you can't succeed here with just even though there's training and a lot of the training is being done mm-hmm. driven by good best practices and, and you know what's known in the literature. But it's not going to work if you're not refining it based on what users are doing sure um and so i think they realize that but i don't know that the 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 exact processes that are being used but you know that's a that's a good point and and even you know things like a lot of times they'll assume i'm using the glasses when i'm using the phone and so they'll say move Uh your head left i'll say hold on Uh i'm not using you know this isn't so like is there a way for it to flag that i'm using the phone, mm-hmm. but not the glasses. Ah. Silly stuff like that, but it all makes it more more usable. Certainly, and and the situations in which people use the phone versus the glasses versus you know whatever yeah. else comes down the line. Will there be any presentations at CSUN about uh, the IRA system or about aspects of the system? Yeah, I think they have five or six. Oh wow present papers and presentations what they what they told me so Great. i don't know when or, or when or you know when they are but uh, they'll, they'll definitely be there they'll definitely be hopefully some demos I and mean, i think what really what i think makes a product is you know it's all well and good to hear about this and you, you go to a presentation you hear you know <laughs> main menu or, or whatever it is but mm-hmm. try it out and you know try something that you that that's been a challenge and see like does it work and i think mm-hmm. that's what that's what excited me you know when i use it i'm like yeah that sounds great whatever and then i'm walking around and then finding you know i found the door to a place that i couldn't find earlier in the day and i'm like wow oh, i goodness. can't deny that made a huge difference yes and that's another thing where i was thinking wow from an o&m standpoint finding the door to a building that you've just been flying your dog has been flummoxed by you know Oh, yeah, that's yeah, because exactly. it's around the side through a bunch of tables and whatnot. And uh, the door to my favorite Starbucks in downtown Columbus was like that. We spent a long time running our hand and my hand along the window trying to find this door. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, my Pesky goodness. windows never open. What other kinds of apps and things of this type involving artificial intelligence are you involved with at this point? No, but I've used as a user, and you've you know, even the ones you talked about when I where I met you at, at Top Dog, mm-hmm. far more than me. But you know, there's other. You know, I remember when I first used VizWiz and Tap Tap C. Oh uh, yes. You know, it was like I was like, wow, this is this is pretty cool. You know, just the ability to get again, it's just getting. I'm really interested in what gives me information access in an efficient way, and and any product that that does that is interesting to me. And I think there's there's pros and cons to all of them, but. The thing that I find frustrating as 
more and more of this stuff is kind of getting popularized and coming out is that, you know, a lot of times something that's a really good idea ends up not being very useful. I remember spinning, as you said, one of these, you know, bottles that's round mm-hmm. and using VizWiz and like just going, taking, you know, like 15 <laughs> pictures yes. spinning it and trying to get someone to tell me what it was and like they'd come yes. back and let's give me not useful answers. And it was just like at the end of it, I finally just, FaceTimed a friend. I said, "What the hell is this thing?" Yes, and sometimes and you just realized, need really, that that's live really, body. That's, yeah, yeah, and that's kind of what this is doing. And you know, the, in, in a sense, it's you know having that live person, but then having it being interactive. I think that interactive component is really critical. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, Randy and Jason, do you have any more questions for Nick? Uh, I think it would be valuable if at Sometime you were talking about demonstrations. If certain demonstrations of the devices that you're working on could be put up on YouTube and we could hear them at our leisure at some point, is that possible? Do you think in the future? I think it's a good idea. Yeah. What might be interesting is um, to get some. Do you do you have any interaction with listeners? Would there be a way to get some input from them and kind of say, so I'm not, you know, obviously not uh, pre-planning something that I know will work. Uh And Uh say, I don't know how this would work because they don't know what I have. But if we could get some ideas on things to call, and and, and even if I was recording them, it wasn't being done here, but as you said, it was recorded and posted. But just to see how it works with some different um, real-world scenarios that people have generated, that might be interesting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and we oh, do gosh, have yeah. uh, we do have a Twitter feed. We have an email list, and I think people would really love that. There is a video on the Ira website. I haven't watched it yet, but there is a video up there um, that um, purports to explain how everything works. But I haven't, like I said, haven't taken a look at that yet. We definitely will, and I will put some information in at the end here as to how people can go to that site, take a look at the Explorer program to sign up for it, and also learn a little bit more about the uh, the system and the costs involved for the system. So, One more thing that I think would be really important to do that I, I would, I hope to to do uh, when I find some time is to do a, a non take, take a task or a couple of predefined tasks and compare them between things that are out there. Iris service, be my eyes, tap, tap, see, whatever other, I mean, there's a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff out there now. Oh, gosh, um, yeah. And just look at it, 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 it and, you know, compare it doing a, a, an empirical study that, that looks at kind of, speed and accuracy oh we love Um, demonstrations and practicality uh, when it comes to these types of things we do them all the time i can't tell you how many times nick that i have first taken a barcode reading couldn't figure out what it was then used another product like you were saying tap tap scene defining it then telling, then uploading the image of the barcode reader, uh, barcode from the reader, so that it could be captured at a later date. And I have spent probably a good hour putting my Thanksgiving dinner together just by 
comparing services and getting them to work <laughs> all at the same time. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the thing yeah. is, we, we can do these things now, Nick. Now, five years ago, we couldn't. Yeah. And now we yeah. can. And and to be able to have comparisons, we love them. So anytime oh, yeah. you can do them, that'd be great. This isn't just a, oh, yeah. uh, someone sure. from a company saying something, but here's something that, you know, here's the data. Take take it as you will, but it, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's needed. Well, and, in, and using it in practical settings, too, like, say, an airport setting or a, a place where you may be, uh, you know, by yourself and having to rely on you know, the assistance of other people and asking other people. And uh, we all know how sometimes that goes great and you make wonderful, you know, conversation and all that. And sometimes not so much. So, um, (laughs) yeah. And especially in, you know, the travel setting and the airport setting and just being able to move about independently through spaces like that in a mall. Oh, my goodness, how many of us have been to the mall where we have no idea what's uh, I, the mall that we frequent. A lot of the stores are closing, unfortunately. And each time we go there, it's a it's kind of a you know roulette wheel as to what's open and what's not. So um, just being able to walk along and see that kind of information would be awesome, I think. Well, case in point, uh, TVs in hotels sometimes have no buttons, <gasps> but, but yet they're oh, always yes. on. Yes. And how the hell do you access that information if they're always on a certain channel and you don't want them on a certain channel? And you can't shut them off. You can't turn them up. You can't do anything except call for a room service. Unplug them. I I, I actually (laughs) use the service at at Top Dog when we were down at at Janine at the hotel Um, for that exact reason. I couldn't get the TV. I couldn't get it to turn on. Oh, wow. And then it did go on and it wouldn't change it was like mm-hmm. locked, so I so I found, and it was on the wrong. It was on like, you know, C-SPAN. So it was on some weird input mode, like I was doing a, 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 a you know, it was. Oh, and a lot of them have the video yeah. game systems hooked into them, so you never know, you know, are am I? Yeah, it was on some, like the console yeah. mode or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and microwaves, hotel microwaves are another huge thing that I I use be specular for quite a bit. And in the area of, of, you know, artificial intelligence and computer vision, just to let everybody know, the AI Poly app has had a significant update recently, and it now has a paid service component for some of its functions to identify things, including a text recognition function. And uh, I have to say, it's quite interesting, and it has actually come, you know, a fair way. I don't know, Nick, if you're familiar with that particular program. No, I heard you mention it. I mean, what would be really great is to compile a list of these different programs and then, um, you know, maybe do this as a something that even you do as a feature. And then, then we could try to do one of these comparisons because I think that would be great. Oh. I mean, the other thing that I think is important for, for people listening to, to know is that all these programs and apps get updated a lot. And it makes a huge difference. Uh, you know, they can do something under the hood that will suddenly optimize, you know, speed dramatically so on all of them and and, and and you know sometimes you have no idea there's an update unless you go and check they don't mm-hmm. know push notifications that tell you so i think it's important to, to, to be to update whatever you're using update it and check for updates as much as possible the two artificial intelligence apps that i find fascinating are third eye and ai poly and just sort of watching how they are using all of the images that they've collected and things like that to um, to kind of build their library and move on from there. 
And those are just going to get better. You know, I mean, as AI is exploding and there's greater and greater image libraries and the speed, you know, the processing to do so much of this now in the cloud and you don't always have it, you know, on the device, which some of the original things were. It's, it's, this is going to get way better. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Nick. Now, I'm going to, I was just about to say it incorrectly again, Judici, correct? Yeah, that's good. There we go. There we <laughs> <That's> go. <very laughs> good. And uh, Nick is, is on the scientific advisory panel for IRA. And again, that is spelled AI for artificial intelligence and RA for raw, the sun god. And uh, this product. The eye in the sky. Yes, the eye in the sky. There we go. And this product is a combination of human intelligence and training and power and a a source, either a smartphone or a Google Glass type device, and some machine intelligence in there as well. So we'll have some information at the end of the broadcast on how you can get more information about IRA and view the video that we mentioned here about the system. Thank you, Nick and Randy and Jason, for being with me tonight. And we look forward to hearing more about IRA on Main Menu. Thanks, Janine, and thanks, Nick, for being here. Glad to be here. Thank you all. Hi, everyone. Back with some additional information about the IRA system. I have signed up to be one of the IRA Explorers, which are a group of around 200 people that they are getting to test the system. And the way that you start the process of becoming an explorer is to go to the IRA website, which is www.aira.io. That's www.aira.io. Or you can call the IRA team at 858-876-2472. That's 858 858- 8762472 and that is a US area code folks so if you are international uh, just know that um, this program is not yet available internationally I don't believe but you are certainly welcome to call them and find out part of being one of the explorers involves a $99 deposit for the equipment this deposit is refundable at any point in time should you choose not to use the product. There is also then a monthly fee that corresponds with how many minutes per month you will have access to one of the IRA agents. So you can certainly ask about that. There are also more details on the website about these plans. And explorers do get a bit of a price break on these. These are a little pricey, folks, but remember you are paying for the talents of a live person. So I will be back with more information about my testing of the IRA system as time progresses. One of the things that I was excited to learn that you get with the system is not only the device such as Google Glass or another wearable device to actually uh, have the agent interact with your surroundings, but also a device that provides you with a personal Wi-Fi hotspot so that if you don't have cellular coverage, you're not going to use up all your data plan, which uh, given the way data plans work these days, that's definitely a good thing. Looking forward to Having the Sun God watching over me, this is Janine for Main Menu. On the next Main Menu episode, we'll be back talking about another product with a similar aim, although it goes about it a bit differently. 
Main Menu is brought to you by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. It can be heard every Friday evening on ACB Radio Mainstream beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern, and it repeats every four hours until 5 p.m. the following day. You can listen using any connected internet device, grab it as a podcast, use ACB Link for iOS, or call 605-475-8130 at airtime. Do you have any ideas or demos of products that you would like to hear on Main Menu? Feel free to drop us an email at mainmenu at acbradio.org. You can also message us on Twitter at Main Menu. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.